Hey, what you're about to hear is the first episode of the third season of Temple of the Falls Pod. Over the next ten weeks, we'll be releasing new episodes, some with familiar flavors and some with new panache. We'll be trying some new things, including releasing our episodes on YouTube. So if that's your preferred platform, go check it out. Subscribe. Thumbs up. Share. Actually, sharing would be super helpful for us. If you like our chats, let a friend know. You'll be better friends for it. And we'd be super stoked. Anyway, I'll be checking in throughout the season, filling you in on different things. So I'll see you next time. Enjoy the episode. Hello! Hello and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Welcome to Season 3! Hey, hey, hey! How exciting. We are 20 episodes in. This is our 21st episode. Old enough to drink. And with Season 3, we've got so much exciting stuff for you going on. Uh, <clears throat> some old bits. Some some old favorites, uh, some some new topics. We'll, we'll see all of them uh, in the next ten weeks. We got some new treasures. New I'm treasures. real excited about some new treasures. Oh, heck new treasures, yeah. new temples, treasures. Got some new decks coming. Got some new decks. Got some old decks. Got some themey decks. Uh, but today, let's talk about today. Today we're gonna talk about Spelltable. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Uh, we're gonna talk <laughs> about Spelltable and how much of a boon it is for the magic community over the past year plus. Um, it has brought so many people together in, I mean, you know... For example, uh, our our weekly group uses it every week, weekly, uh, <laughs> and I think it would be we we would have a very different feeling towards magic if we didn't have this consistent thing going. Right. I mean, um, we did the uh, uh, we did tabletop simulator for a long time. And for a while, we were going back and forth because there are things that the the simulator does offer that you don't get on Spell Table. Like mm. uh, you can play any deck you want on the tabletop simulator, <laughs> um, so you get a chance to uh, play test decks that you were working on. You get a chance to uh, try out the precons without ever having bought them. Uh, you can try out other people's decks without ever buying the cards. So there's there's a certain benefit there that it really opens yeah. up the options for you as far as what you're playing. Um, however, I like spell table. Um, I like that. I hold my cards. It's the tactile feel. And yeah. that was something that, that I really struggled with as we went through the pandemic was just, you don't get the direct interaction, but at least you can get that tactile feel that you get with spell table or, you know, prior to spell table on zoom with your friends 
and just uh, telling each other what the cards were and <laughs> what your life total was and everything. Um, so you know, thank goodness Spell Table came along. So yeah, it's been it's been amazing, and I think even with some restrictions loosening and everyone starting to get the vaccinations. Uh, we're going to start playing more in person, but I I don't think we're ever gonna fully leave spell table behind. I think it's it's, um, I mean either you or I or just magic in general is not gonna leave spell table behind. It it's brought thousands of miles of connection right. to what? the world. I mean there are a lot of and I know this because well I wrote for long enough and was emailed this repeatedly. There are a lot of people out there. Uh, I would write about my playgroup and how we played every week and, you know, and, you know, how this was our standard setup and et cetera, et cetera. And I would consistently hear from people who said that they just don't have that playgroup. And Spell Table opens, opens up a whole different community. You can log into Spell Table and, find, and play games with, with other people who are just looking for games. You know, if your playgroup is scattered across a geographic area that's just way too big for everybody to be meeting up at somebody's house, even when we are able to and able to safely, um, it may just prove to be uh, a just straight up distance that keeps people apart. And Spell Table does, you know, Spell Table uh, manages that. I mean, we're seeing yeah. that. We're seeing that in our group. Uh, yeah, because... we've got people who've moved out of the city, yeah. um, out of convenience, out of pricing, out of you know whatever um, that we still want to keep in contact with, that we still want to play magic with. Um, that I mean, because of the distance, it just makes it harder to play in person. So spell tables there to make sure that our group doesn't just become you and me <laughs> right um something that andy and i have been sort of talking about these last few months and kind of realizing as we've been getting more and more uh games under our belt with with spell table is um there are very definitely some limitations to spell table and uh so we sort of wanted to go through some of the some of the decks um and i'm going to say right up front uh, again i mean don't treat this as a reason to never play those car those decks right uh, this is uh this is meant to be a warning you know just a reminder that this can be a little more tricky uh that you're going to want to uh you know, really be careful. Be prepared. Be, exactly. You're going to really want to be prepared for these sorts of things when, when, when they, uh, uh, you know, when you're playing with these decks. And honestly, if you're not, it just makes the, the gameplay that much more, pardon me, that much more difficult to follow for, for your friends. Um, look, nobody, nobody wants to win the game uh, because your opponent didn't recognize that you had a card on the battlefield or that... Uh, or that you have some interaction, or there's something about the winning's your deck. winning, Bruce. Yeah, but or that your opponent has, or, or there's there's some interaction going on with your deck that's very difficult for your opponent to glean, uh, simply because simply by virtue of of being on video. So we thought we would take the opportunity to go through some of these 
just mostly as a reminder uh, to, you know, just, just to be aware and, you know, no, I'm not going to just sit here and, and, and bemoan the fact that I can't play Buzzbark. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, you know, well, let's I, get it out of the way. Buzzbark. Buzzbark's the first thing we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> Buzzbark, you want to roll dice, right? Right. But, you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, the way I play Buzzbark, you can do it by video. I have. But it's far less fun when your opponents only get to see a pile of cards brought right up next to the camera and then nothing and then all of a sudden they, it focuses back in and they see where dice have landed it's just not nearly as satisfying for them or you to do right. this and it does take away half of buzzbark's ability in that there's no there's no there will never be an opportunity when instead of dropping it on buzzbark and the creatures surrounding him that i could then drop it on an opponent's creature and try to kill it uh, that's yeah. not even an option over spell tables. So, um, all right, so Andy, we spent enough time talking about a single card and the unsets. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's get into a few of the a few of the topics or a few of the uh, yeah you know variations so, that we had talked about earlier. It was interesting uh, thinking about this topic. Uh, I came across this. Uh, nebulous idea this almost cycle uh where uh each color has a different way to make it difficult to play magic over spell table um right so like let's i guess let's kind of go through them sure. um black you think of things like gaunti lord of luxury where take things off the top of your opponent's graveyards that mechanic that type of mechanic uh was very heavily seen in black over the i mean years ago uh and is now starting to be uh more red heavy things mm -hmm. like robber of the rich um etc <laughs> um and obviously that's going to be difficult to do if um, A, you're trying to hold any information away from your opponents, they're going to have to flip over their own deck and you're going to trust that they didn't look. Or um, even just remembering that you have access to that card even though you don't physically have it on your board. Um, right. And we've seen that not just with, with that you know flip the top card thing mm -hmm. i mean that essentially runs through a lot of different uh mm. a lot of different abilities um yeah essentially when as soon as you get access to your opponent's cards in some way it becomes just that little bit more difficult to to move it you know to follow along um, exactly i mean we've got control magic in its basic form um and then we also have things like Lazav, where you're making your creature a copy of a creature that you can't physically touch. Right. Um, or uh, mimic that, etc. Yeah. Um, um, as someone who actually, actually, I played mimic that 
in our spell table game just last week. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> keeping track of what went to the graveyard and, you know, not being able to, to just, you know, sort of lean over the table and get a quick glance down somebody's list, down somebody's grave, you know, list of graveyard cards is a pain. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, tracking, then you got to like tracking yeah. what goes to the graveyard and what gets exiled. Um, and if you want it, then your opponent then has to figure out a way to set it to the side and keep track of the fact that it's under a mimic that. So even the most prepared person is now being asked to do something that their deck just doesn't do. So they, you have to be, you know, so there has to be a certain amount of flexibility and understanding with how that gets set up. And then you understand that that's under the mimic that. The easiest thing with the mimic that is that you simply tap it and make a copy of the card that you can now see underneath it. But that card is now never there. Um, right. So. It Yeah. Uh, I had the same issue with my Mimeoplasm deck, and right. I'm sure you have with uh, your Grisilda deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, where you're taking things out of the graveyard, which, I mean, you're trying to be somewhat sneaky about it uh, by, like, seeing what's in other people's graveyards. But to do that over webcam, you kind of have to be like, uh, can, Bruce, can I... What, what's in your yeah. graveyard? Can you can you tell me what's in your graveyard? Right. Because you can't even hold your graveyard up to the camera and scroll through it one card at a time. That's just ridiculous. Right. It, no, I mean, Grusilda... And obviously, make it easier. Just be like, hey, what are the creatures in your graveyard? Right. And it's like obvious what you're doing at that point. Yes. Um, well, and with Grusilda, um, a lot of opponents, especially opponents who are not used to playing against some of these cards don't realize what the card can do so Mm. if you don't realize that grusilda can take cards out of your graveyard you're less likely to make efforts to keep them out of your graveyard Um, so that sun titan might be sitting there and you know if you are fully aware of what grusilda can do then you're more likely to try and get it back out of the graveyard as fast as possible you don't know then you're like okay well it can sit there for a while i'll get to it um yeah so that's and as soon as i say what cards are in your graveyard i mean what creature cards are in your graveyard even if you're not asking you just look at the board and be like oh that's right i gotta deal with that or i have to figure something out and it doesn't take long until all of your opponents are also looking at your uh every time you ask a question um, think about Rhystic Study. Think about Smothering <laughs> Tide. And now every time you ask a question about their graveyard, you're going to be doing... You, you are essentially queuing up all of the same things. It's... Yeah. You know, Smothering Tide and Rhystic Study are just there to remind you every single time that person gets a treasure or draws a card. And Grisilda, you are just reminding them over and over again, yes, I have this thread out. Yes, and you just you're constantly reminding them every time you ask. So it requires you to be super vigilant, um, which you know I am not. Uh, so uh, quite often I have to ask, or I just 
decide I'm not going to ask and I'm just going to use whatever cards are in my graveyard to make it work. And I should mention that, you know, you know, I've been, I've been talking about Grusilda. Um, if, if you are discarding what I'm saying just because she's silver bordered, then, you know, replace the words Grusilda with the Mimeoplasm. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. The Mimeoplasm is doing the exact same thing. It's just, you're getting a slightly different result. But it, yeah. it does the same thing. You're looking for two creatures in graveyards. And then you're going to take them out of the graveyards. So, uh, so this isn't a, this isn't another one of those. Oh, this is just silver boarded silliness. It's not. It it mm. this this applies for whether or not your group or your or the people you're playing with are playing silver boarded or not. So yeah, um, and with things like Ristic Study, um, and I mean I've had this happen a couple times where like. My opponent has a fog bank, uh, so I, on in, like without thinking, just attack them because I yeah. forgot um, because the cards are tiny and uh, sometimes yeah. your connection isn't strong enough or their connection isn't strong enough, so the card reader doesn't pick it up. So it's just you know you got the spinny wheel in the corner, um, and in, unless you took notes, you don't know fully what they have but you're like i'm gonna attack them because they need to go down just a quick Uh, note for those of you who hasn't used spell table imagine it as an overlay for zoom or whatever online video conferencing software you've got Um, but one of the things that spell table offers is that you can put your mouse over a over a one of the cards on the table click it and most of the time it will then show you the card in a bigger a high, bigger, higher definition format. So you can then read all the cards and it has a list of them down the side so that you can refer to them again and again. And that's great. But as Andy said, there are times when you look at the table, you're not looking at the cards down the right side. You're looking at the table and maybe the maybe that fog bank's a little blurry and you're like, yeah, I remember what it is. I remember that's a creature. Okay, so I'm going to do this, this, and this. But you forget what the creature actually does yeah if it does anything in combat um so and that's easy that's really easy to do yeah and there's like kind of generally a lot of visual shorthand or verbal shorthand uh that kind of gets glossed over because uh whether your connection's not great enough that you can click on the cards or uh somebody's just like all right i uh Something I got salty about last week was uh, Crush Contraband. I thought it just destroyed. Uh, but it exiles things. And so <laughs> uh, somebody's like, I Crush Contraband that. And I'm like, okay. And it just goes to my graveyard. And then they play it again later. And it's like, oh no, it exiles. And I was like, like if we were in person, that person would have seen me put it in my graveyard rather than my exile zone, etc., etc. And like it just right. would have. Uh, would have been more easy and the thing is is like this isn't a thing that would make like these aren't things that can make spell table better these are just things that are just inherent issues with overall webcam commander yeah Um, so like uh, if somebody starts to attack you being like hey 
uh, you know, I've got this and this or whatever, giving them the chance, being a little lenient uh, with uh those kinds of things uh, tend to help right and playing uh, everyone on, right and playing on spell table like that fog bank issue it never should have been an issue right it, it should we all everybody has to play a little more generously so you know and that's not even to say that that player did anything wrong we were no. late in the game and it was definitely like right duh like i knew that person had a fog bank yeah it at, just at that point you should have known they shouldn't need to remind <laughs> you and if you're swinging in it as far as they're concerned it means you probably have something that's right. going to mess with the fog bank like the first time you swing in you you go to swing at me i should be like by the way here in my land i have a maze of it it will stuff your creature so just keep that in mind now you know maybe that's not the ideal way to play maze of if maybe you should you know you want your opponent to actually look at your cards and if they walk into this they walk into it but because of the difficulties that come along with playing on video let them know that you've got it I mean, even if it's just a matter of putting your hand on the card and giving it a little shake on the table, you know, it's your little reminder, it's here, right. you know, you don't, even, you don't necessarily even have to say anything, just just a cue to, to sort of, to, to set them out there. Um, yeah, it, 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 really, it really solidifies the reasons for playing the game for more than just winning, obviously. I think, like... Uh, Every everyone's done it. Played into the thing that is so evidently clear on the board, uh, then they just end up getting super salty because, like, like of course it's there, um, and it's it. Like I said, it, it plays into the idea of where we want to do big spectacular things or we want to, uh, you know, hang out with our friends and we don't want to just be shut down at every corner uh even if it's super obvious right um uh we're gonna quickly take a break um we're gonna head to commercial we'll be right back with uh some more i guess i guess issues <laughs> with uh webcam in general and some some neat tips to counteract those issues. So we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Oblivion Ring. For just two generic and a white mana, exile a non-land permanent under the Oblivion Ring until it leaves. What value? But wait. You can't because you're playing over webcams? Well, this is awkward. Uh, Bruce? Andy, back to you. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I feel refreshed. How about you, Bruce? Delightful. I'm, Hell yeah. I am, I'm just a delight today. Don't know if that was sarcastic, but I hope not. Um, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about. Um, 
there's just these these ways that playing webcam magic whether it's commander or not um become difficult solely from the 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 barrier the physical barrier of the screen yeah i mean a lot of the uh, a lot of the the difficulties that we've talked about up to this point uh have just been a, a matter of i cannot give you the card whether right. whether you are trying to take it out of my graveyard out of the battlefield uh wherever we've all developed this shorthand where we simply hold the card uh, or you know put it in a particular spot where it makes sense a mimic that an oblivion ring uh, uh, if the cards are removed with with the mimeoplasm usually you keep the one card where you're keeping the text mm. under that card so you so it's easy to keep track of what the card does and in all of these scenarios it's all made just a little bit harder not impossible not by any stretch but it's just a little harder, a little bit more awkward. Um, and it's, you know, it is something that you do want to keep in mind when you're, uh, you know, when you're choosing what decks to play. Um, because repeated instances of a lot of these effects, uh, once they start becoming cumulative, I mean, yes, you're not going to have four O-rings in your deck. But <laughs> um, if you have multiple ways to exile cards, and that those cards could come back you now need to be able to keep track of whatever card is under each of them and your opponents also need to know which card is under what so it becomes just that little bit more tricky a little bit more awkward so yeah and i think like it it kind of comes to for lack of a better term an apex uh with the the first set released under the pandemic, Ikoria, um, where Mutate was introduced, uh, because you've got all of these cards together. Um, so for those who don't know, Mutate says, if you cast this spell for its Mutate cost, put it over or under target non-human creature you own. They mutate into the creature on top, plus all abilities from under it. So essentially, it's whatever you see on top, and then usually people fan it underneath so that it's, you know... Uh... Right. I mean, for those who haven't played with, with a lot of Mutate, it tends to get treated like auras or, or, um, or equipment, where you slide, yeah. usually it's the image, the picture, underneath the other card, and then you've got this longer version of the card. Well, that's exactly what Mutate does, except Mutate will happen, you know repeatedly so you'll get more than one card going underneath so pretty soon you've got two or three cards and uh, obviously that becomes difficult with things like the uh the card recognizer what's it called card recognizer sure yeah uh spell, spell table recognizes cards because it looks at the image on the card right and finds the card so you can click on that mutated creature all you want, but all it's ever going to find is the top card. So you really have to keep track of what each card does. So, um, and, you know, if you want to maximize 
that gets really difficult because then you have to say to the person who has the mutated creature, what exactly does this thing do? How big is it? <laughs> and then they go through and they tell you everything that it has and does and everything else. And then you now decide whether or not you're going to swing that way. Well, you are reminding them exactly, you know, that you think they're a threat. And when they tell you what the deal is, you're now saying to them, well, I think you're the threat, but I can't do anything about it because that thing's too big. Uh, so there's there's all sorts of restrictions that come along with that. And I know mutate's a little bit different in that, you know, you're not taking somebody else's card. So, right. but, but you are stacking it up to make it more difficult. So, Yeah, it, it just, it's unfortunate timing uh, on Wizards' part for this specific mechanic. And I think, like, honestly whatever mechanic was going to come out of the first set in the pandemic uh, probably would have been. No, no, this was worst case scenario. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the flavor of Akoria were these new monsters. And with that, you've got these weird names. Like, like Vadrock, Apex of Thunder. You, how do you spell that? Like, like, even trying to look it up without like bringing the whole game to a halt and being like how do you spell that um yeah. makes it difficult especially where they also had the the godzilla arts for most of the the mutating right uh, so the there so you've got new cards right. different pictures and different names different names and then they're getting and then you're stuffing most of the the identifiers underneath another card right I want people to be able to play the new cards, and quite honestly, uh, our game last week, uh, our our friend who played that who played this mutate deck, I mean that deck was a blast. That was, oh, it was, amazing. It was so much fun watching uh, watching them pull out you know weird different mutated creatures uh, throughout the course of the game. The trick was. I need you to tell I need you to tell me every single card that's there so I can punch it up on spell table so that I can refer to it on spell table over and over and over again because you know I'm not remembering these new creatures. Yeah, especially where like especially with a lot of mutate creatures, it has whenever this mutates, do X, Y, or Z. So you've got lines and lines of text that just right. become I mean all of all of this to say it creates a muddled board yeah. uh, whether you have things covered up or lots of lines of text on a small card or poor connection or whatever um, it it becomes visually overwhelming um, on the screen right even if you have it on single mode where you know you see mm -hmm. just one uh, plate play mat um and kind of along the same lines uh i had written down brutoclad because you're going to be creating a lot of tokens uh obviously not just brutoclad but any token generator you're gonna have a lot of tokens whether they're tokens that actually exist uh or tokens that are i mean your brutoclad deck specifically yeah. uh, wants to create 
very unique tokens right. that have never existed um, so that you can copy them and copy them and copy them. Uh, with that, a lot of token strategies is to go wide. And that also creates a muddled experience because it's just so densely packed. Right. And quite honestly, that's what I want. Yeah. I want to see my playmat covered in all these weird funky tokens and then all of a sudden oh right remember that remember those 10 treasures i just created yeah now <laughs> they are all uh, a co- copies of your mutated creature <laughs> and there's that many of them cuz that's yeah. that's really what i'm looking for but yes does it create a muddled board oh you better believe it cuz that is just it's a mess and you're yeah. constantly trying to keep track of what they are now um, I think that's also part of the reason why Broody Clad says that all of the tokens have to change. <laughs> one other one that I wanted that I want to touch on before we start talking about some of the ways to make these uh, these difficult uh, scenarios a little easier. Um, I want to talk about hand size. We we talked not too long ago about uh, about threat assessment. And we made it clear that hand size is one of the biggest things you should be considering when doing threat assessment. Because the person with one card or no cards in hand, definitely their threat is what they've got on the board. Whereas the person who's got six cards in hand, seven cards in hand, more or more, (laughs) um, most likely has something in hand that they can play in response to whatever you're doing. It might not be a counter spell, but it might be something else that can muck up the board at least a little bit. Um, spell table and other video video options, they don't show hand size. You don't get to see how many cards are in hand unless you ask. And then you have to ask. And yeah. that's all right when you've got something on the board that, you know, if I have a creature and it's an XX creature and it gets where X is the number of cards in all of my opponent's hands, well, then me asking, it becomes obvious as to why I'm asking. But if I'm holding cards in hand and I'm asking you, how many cards do you have in hand? Well, like windfall. Right. Then it's it could be a windfall. It could just be me fishing to find out, you know, what is the likelihood that you have something. Suddenly you're becoming aware that, okay, time to queue up. Something's coming. Because nobody asks this all the time. And, and, and to do it all the time, just as a way to, to, you know, to make it difficult for your opponents to properly assess whether or not this is a threat or not, uh, is is uh, is just gumming up the works in the game so badly that especially, it's going to mess it up. Yeah, especially where on like playing over webcam, uh, you have one one channel of voice. Like you, yes, you each talk over each other, and now you can't hear anything. While in person, like you can whisper to the person next to you and the person across the table won't hear you or like having having everything at the same level 
uh, makes it very difficult to, you know, side talk or cross talk or right. whatever. Um, and doing small actions like asking how many cards in hand everyone has, it just makes it very apparent uh, of your intent. Um, whether you wanted it to be extremely apparent or not. Yeah. But hand size is definitely something that you don't see and, um, yeah. you know, some, something to be aware of. It's one of, definitely one of, the, one of the, the limitations that come with spell table. So um, as long as you keep your, your games casual, it shouldn't be that big an issue. But um, yeah. But it is something to keep in mind. And I know that every time anybody in our group asks, <laughs> we know something's coming. So, uh, so there's that. Um, so how to, how to minimize some of these, these issues. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with, with what I think is one of the biggest ones, one of the easiest ways to do this. I think uh, if you are planning to play Spell Table more than two times, I think you should have access to this. Dry erase markers and mm. erasable cards. You can also, you can choose to do this with blank cards as well. Um, but I really like the dry erase markers for this. Um, they, you can buy packs, essentially packs of 50 blank cards. And if you use a dry erase marker on them, they wipe right off. Um, I don't remember the brand name, I trust all of you can yeah. go can Google this and figure out what you should have. Um, I have been using these now since well before the pandemic started, and it became clear to me that uh, with Spell Table, these are virtually essential. I got them, I think it was just before I started playing Bruticlad, and that was part of part of it because Bruticlad makes these funky tokens of other creatures that don't have a token version like you know if i need a 3-3 lizard wizards makes one i can go out and buy them but wizards doesn't make uh, a token of uh, i don't know a, a worm coil engine right it doesn't make a token of the actual worm coil engine you can get tokens of the co of, of what it makes when it dies but you can't get a token of worm coil engine so i just make one and you can choose to be as fancy as you want with the art or not. You can be as talented or less talented as you want. As long as it is clear to you and your opponents what this card is, you're good to go. I like them because, or not only can you show which of your creatures are token creatures, uh, you can also show which are, you know, show your treasures. Uh, you can show, um, let's see. Uh, you can show what card is under Mimic That, if you control the Mimic That. If your opponent has lost their card to the Mimic That, they can just write under Mimic That on one of these and put it on top of that creature. So it doesn't matter. If there's two copies of Mimic That, they can still figure out which is under which. Um, it just it gives you so many shorthand options that really work. Um, if I have... Uh, a card to the effect that everybody gets an extra two mana on their main phase, or on your upkeep you get to draw draw an extra card. Well, 
I can write that on I'll write that on a card and it's sitting on the table at all times you know don't forget to draw the extra or you know don't forget to take a point of damage if you tap you know just something there that that is very visible and very obvious um, and they work so well so well for this and they do mitigate a lot of the, the difficulties now and it's uh, it's definitely something I I encourage everybody to go out and get a package of this stuff and no we are not sponsored by these guys um, so <laughs> we have no affiliation with infinite tokens or any or any other company of, that makes yeah. uh, makes these erasable <clears throat> dry cards. erase yeah yeah um, but even if your deck never creates a token somebody else's deck is likely to mess with your board state in some way and you'll want these tokens there as a shorthand to just immediately remind you you know why is that card in my command zone oh that's right it's not in my command zone it's just sitting over there because the because because susan has has control of that creature right now or you know whatever it just makes a shorthander for you yeah i think i think the the biggest thing behind that uh, because I mean I I use regular blank playing cards um, sure. with sharpies yeah. uh, because I think it's kind of cool to like have this stack of garbage uh, tokens that I can be like oh yeah remember when I did that um, <clears throat> and like they're cheap they're uh, they're not as recycle friendly as as the uh, erasable ones but um, I think the the biggest idea behind it is a keeping the board state as concise and visible as possible. Yes. Uh, but also the idea of just being ready for the game, right. uh, having these by your side, uh, being ready for whatever the game throws at you. Um, some of the other things that you can do to to improve things make it very clear what you're casting when you cast it um, mm. and i know that i mean this is something that we should be doing in every game but when you're face to face you can kind of make up for it when you're when you're on video sometimes your screen isn't quite good enough your 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 camera quality is not as high res as you would hope it mm. would be your camera um, quality your internet connection your right. lighting Yes. So much glare. There's a happens. ton of glare. Um, so when you play the card, announce it. Make sure you announce the name of the card very clearly because odds are at least one other person on that table has got Scryfall open and they're about to punch in whatever that card is because maybe spell mm. table isn't working. The, the spell table... Uh, um, card identifier. Uh, identifier is not working <laughs> properly for them. So they've got Scryfall open and they're about to punch in the card. So make sure you make it clear what you're, what you're, you know, what you're casting, or how you're activating, or why you're tapping the creature. Uh, clear. I'd say even go beyond that and like read the card fully. Like yeah. Uh, sometimes I have a notebook next to me just so mm -hmm. that in case I can't like click on the cards, I write down quickly like right. what they are and or what they do. Uh, more so, uh, how they affect my board, what I should be looking out for. Um, 
So right. Andy, the last point that I wanted to throw in, keeping in mind spell tables, you really want to uh, examine the board state and be ready to play when it's your turn to play. Um, online games are already limited because it's hard, you know, when you're sitting around the kitchen table, everyone can chat and talk. When you're playing online on spell table, it's a lot harder to have that kind of chat because then you can't hear what the person is saying as far as what cards they're playing or who they're attacking. So the interaction on spell table gets can or gets significantly reduced from what it would be in person. So if you haven't paid atten haven't paid attention to what's going on during the round and then on your turn you're now examining the board and trying to figure out what you should do it used to be that if you were going to drag your butt at least they could chat and now they can't even do that so now <laughs> they're all sitting there watching you think about you know what you should do and they don't even get to see you on the camera they're just staring at your board state and they're probably not seeing anything because you're looking at your cards, you're looking at the table, you're looking at this, but they can't see any of that. All they can see is that nothing is happening. Plan your turn. Yeah. Plan your turn. I say this as somebody who is terrible with this. <laughs> you have to keep the game moving. You have, you, you have to be ready to go when it's your turn. Make sure you know exactly what your plans, what your plans are. And, you know, maybe your draw step changes your plans a little bit, but be ready, make your move, uh, and complete your turn and pass it on. And make sure you are clear that you are passing on the turn. Uh, spell table does have a wonderful little little setup where if you, if you choose to use it, where you can click the space bar and it will feature the next person in line. So that person will know that you passed the turn. Oh yeah, it's great. It is great. Yeah. The nice thing too with with spell table and that feature is that as you pass the turn, it resets the timer. Uh, so it, you will see how long you've been taking your turn. Yes, which, you will. <laughs> uh, which is just a great way to uh, uh, let somebody know how long, like like it, to kind of guilt them into uh, being a little more on the the ball uh, right i think i think it, it really is a a good i think spell table of all things has uh emphasized the things that we talked about in our episode of what to do when it's not your turn um and i think when it is your turn um i know something that i uh just physically f find difficult uh as somebody with adhd I find it extremely difficult to focus on what I'm trying to do when other people are talking, um, not necessarily in person, but like definitely when I have headphones in and they're speaking directly <laughs> into my ear. Um, and it's not even to me or about me. They're just trying to enjoy the evening. And I'm like, so uh, having the turn planned out uh, gives gives everybody a bit of time to relax a little uh have have the the gathering part um of of magic and uh really embrace the things that we're we're here together to do um 
But yeah, I, I think I think the number one thing, whether it's turn by turn basis or as the game overall, the number one thing to do when going into a game of webcam commander is to just be prepared. Um, as yep. tacky and cheesy as that is, I think uh, whether it's you've got your blank tokens or you've got your regular tokens or you've got uh, your webcam positioned correctly or you're like, oh no, like I've never done this before. Like, go in, try it out. It's a free free service. You can, you can go in to your own room, make sure everything's working correctly before you go jump into a game. Uh, just be ready. And, and, but most importantly, just kind of have fun. Um, I think that it has been a lifesaver over the past 14 months, um, almost 15 months that we've been in this situation that I honestly don't know if I would have continued a pursuit of playing magic if it weren't for things like spell table. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so, spell table. It's great stuff. Infinite tokens and other erasable tokens. Good stuff. Uh, writing things down in a notebook. Good stuff. Uh, <clears throat> check it all out. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. I think so. Cool. Um, we're so excited to share season three with you guys. We got, we got an action-packed season uh, full of fun goodies and surprises. So uh, make sure you keep hanging out, share it with your friends. Thanks for listening. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck of are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple. Bye! Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.